glad to have you guys here. My name is Rachel, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, and um, I wanted to say a quick note. So how are you feeling? 100%? So before, in our pre-service prayer this morning, Michelle was feeling not good. Lots of migraine symptoms coming on, feeling a lot of stuff up here, a lot of pressure, nausea. She was like, I'm, I'm hoping I can stand up there and not start throwing up while we're doing worship. So let's pray, right? So we prayed, prayed a couple times, and that's amazing. I was, I was, she said she had been maybe 80% better when we finished praying, so 100%, which is awesome. Okay, Connie, how are you? Any pain left? Some pain left? Is it better at all or no? And it's better right now? Awesome. Come on. Is this, but there's still lingering pain? Okay. Okay. All right. Well, that's amazing that God's touching you this morning. That's so cool. May it never be said of our body that God is not a God who does things, right? So he doesn't always do everything we want him to do, which is the mystery and the challenge, but he is absolutely moving. All right. I want to give one quick announcement that we're going to dive into today's message, but we are doing baptisms on September 20th, which is a couple of weeks away, water baptisms. So if you um, would like to be, there's a couple of different types of baptisms, but that's a whole other sermon. There's Holy Spirit baptism, there's baptism of fire, there's water baptism. So anyways, we're going for water ones. Basically, the water baptism is the outward sign of an inward transformation, right? So it's the part two of your salvation process. So we've got a couple of kids in our kids ministry who've been asking their parents to be baptized. Isn't that amazing? They have not been talking about this in kids. It's like these are six, seven, eight-year-olds, something around those ages, uh, who are saying, I feel like God is telling me to get baptized. So we're throwing together a baptism for them. So if you want to jump in on that, uh, Cody is in the back with her hand raised, and tell her, and she'll get you on the list for that. Um, and so, and if you're not getting baptized and you can be here in person on the 20th, just to celebrate, it's a great morning to be able to, to come around our church body and, and really celebrate the transformation people are going through. So, isn't that awesome about those kids? I'm like, wow, it's incredible. Um, all right. So today we're talking about something, uh, that I felt like the Lord put on my heart for us. And I think you, I, if you were here last week, you heard me say next week, we're beginning a series on the book of Revelation. And it's going to be a different type of series on Revelation than you may have had before. This is not a uh, doom and gloom series. This is a series designed to look at the revelation of who Jesus the Christ is in the midst of the times that we're in. I think it's going to be great for you guys. I wanted to give a side note ahead of time to say this is going to be one of those series where we're building week to week, so you're not going to want to miss it. So if you can't be here in person, you can always listen to our sermons on our Bethel OKC podcast which is available pretty much anywhere podcasts are. I think it's on Spotify now and Pandora and some fun stuff like that. So, um, so if you're going to not be able to be here in person for one of those, my challenge to you is catch it so you can listen to it, so you can get the whole picture of um, what we're going to be talking about. But today is not that day. So uh, we're talking about honor today. And we're talking about how do you honor people you just don't like. So it's going to be a really fun morning for everyone. I can't wait to share this with you. Um, isn't it awesome when God gives you opportunities to practice this kind of stuff? And uh, we've had one of those opportunities recently. We had a, a, some car issues, and 
uh, found myself having one of those moments where you, you want to forget that someone is human so you can unload all of your emotion. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And so we were sitting at lunch and uh, we were having a texting conversation with the car person and I said, Grant, just get their phone number and then give me the phone. And he looked and he's like, I am not doing that. I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, help me, Lord. And, uh, and you know, I was thinking about it as we were driving home and, and we ended up having a good, healthy conflict with this person and it was healthy. And I was thinking, isn't it so like us when we get mad about something, we actually tell ourselves the person that we're conflicting with is not truly human, that they don't actually deserve our respect. And now all of you guys are feeling that way about me right now. So uh, it's going to be fine. We're going to make it through this. Um, but there's something about 2020 that is exposing all of us. Amen. So in our business, uh, we've had more lawsuits and threats of lawsuits in the last couple of weeks than we've had in the couple of years that we've had it. And they're not all pertaining to us, but you know, when you're in real estate, there's a lot of contracts involved. So there's, there's a place, there's like a precedent to sue, right? And we were talking about this and it was like, man, every situation that is tough, the next thing out of somebody's mouth is, I'm gonna sue you, and I'm gonna sue your boss, and I'm gonna sue, you know? And we're going, what is this? And as we were praying about it, just realizing everybody's at the end of their rope this year. Everybody's reserve is gone. So we gave a message to our, our agents and our brokerage and said, listen, just remember, everybody is stressed. So the, the, you, know, you do one thing wrong, and, or even just slightly not right, and you gotta expect that there's gonna be some pushback because we're all stressed. But if we're going to be carriers of revival, if we're going to be the temples of the Holy Spirit, if we're going to be sons and daughters of God, then we have to get comfortable with interacting with people who we don't like, who are different from us, and or who are depleted themselves, amen? So that's what we're doing today. So Lord, we just pray for all of us that we would be challenged in an appropriate way. I do wanna make a note that the difference between conviction and condemnation, conviction brings hope with it, right? You actually feel like you can do better. You feel like you can rise to what God is asking. Condemnation makes you feel like you cannot, like you're miserable, like you're terrible. So if you're feeling any of that today, that's not God, okay? I do want you to feel some conviction, uh, so that's good. All right. Here's the thing. We all, raise your hand if you agree with this statement. We all want to treat other people based solely on their actions, but we want to be treated solely on our motivations. Yeah. You guys, you know, you're tracking with me? We want to say, oh, but you did that. It doesn't matter. We have this conversation in our marriage all the time. Grant will say, listen, it's not, I didn't mean to do that. I was thinking this. I was trying, and I'm like, it doesn't matter what you were thinking. Except it does, right? Because we want to treat everybody else and say, but you did do that. And we want to hold them to that standard. But then when it's turned around on us, we're going, no, 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 hold on. you got to understand why I did that. I didn't mean, you know. And when we begin to understand that this is basic human behavior, we can actually shift the atmosphere around us. So my, if you hear nothing else this morning, hear this. Every interaction that you have, be remembering that the person you're interacting with is judging their thoughts by their own motivations, okay? That's how we all are. So I want us to look, I don't have scriptures on the slide for you today, I want you to pull them up in your Bible. Uh, we're gonna look at Romans chapter 12, and um, 
This is an interesting scripture I think we want to pretend is not in the Bible for today's day and age. But um, in the, um, let's just read in the Passion Translation. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. It says, Let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Despise evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous. And now here's where... We crank it up a notch. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. Woo! Let's read that again, just, just for good measure. We'll read verse 10 again. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. So... This is a big deal. If you're looking for how God feels about honor, there are multiple scriptures where God talks about that. In fact, the most popular one is in the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother. It's the only commandment that comes with a promise, and it says, if you'll honor your father and mother, then you will have a long life. That promise is still attached to honor today. Now, I want to say that honor is not the same thing as blind obedience, and it's not the same thing as complete agreement. It's different. And if we're going to truly be carriers of biblical honor, then we have to get comfortable with saying, I don't agree with what you think or do, but I can love you anyway. See, honor is a kingdom value, and a kingdom value actually goes above the natural realm. In our natural ways of interacting with each other, we group up based on our opinions, our beliefs, our preferences, right? But in the kingdom, we group up based on a set of values that actually transcends or goes above that type of stuff. Amen? So this is why it's so important to learn how to honor. Here's the thing. When we refuse to honor people, we actually cancel our ability to have influence. Let me say that again. When we refuse to honor people, we actually cancel our ability to have influence. Why? I've got four kids, okay? And uh, if you don't like me or you don't like my husband, you will not know my kids. It's just how it is, right? If you want to know my kids, you, we have to be at least some sort of friends. Now, you might interact with them on a Sunday morning in a public setting, but if you want to be at my house, you're only getting invited if we're in relationship to some degree. You guys understanding this? And so if you're going to badmouth my husband to me, why, uh, why would I let you around my kids? I wouldn't do that. It would not be safe for them. Why? Because you're, you're in a like, disagreement with mom and dad, right? And so I can still honor you. I can still see you as a child of God. I can still do several of the things we're going to talk about in a second. But when it comes to proximity, that is based on some other things. You guys tracking with me? So it goes the same with God. Because the last time I checked, we're all God's kids, even the people in the different political party from you, even the people in the denomination that you don't like, even the people who hurt you in your previous you know, childhood experiences, we're all God's kids. And so God does not bring you into a place of influence that you might actually be called into if you refuse to carry honor. Because you're actually dangerous to his precious prize. It's an interesting thing when we begin to look at all of humanity as children of God. We all have those relatives that we don't enjoy spending time with, right? So it's not like I'm telling you you have to be best friends with everybody. Don't walk away hearing that. 
but we can, we can come above our natural disagreements and choose to say, even if nothing else, I can acknowledge that God created you. Even if I don't like anything about you, I can acknowledge that God has a plan for your life. Even if you're so far away from walking in that plan and I'm consistently being hurt by you, I can still acknowledge that God does not want that for your life. He wants something good for you. Amen? This is what it's like to walk in honor. And when we choose this frame of thinking, we actually walk through life a lot lighter. We're not as bothered by the hurtful things that happen. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't still hurt when somebody does something to you, right? But we're not carrying the weight of it because we can release it to the Lord. Does that make sense? So I just want to say a quick note about boundaries because I think sometimes if we talk about honor and we don't talk about boundaries, we're, we're, we're doing disservice. So again, I know I'm harping on this, but again, I am not saying what God is asking of you is to honor everyone and therefore give everyone equal access to your life and have no self-control or self-respect. That is not a kingdom principle either, right? So the only control that's legal in the kingdom, I say this all the time, is self-control. There's no other control that's legal in the kingdom of God. So we have the ability to decide who we're in relationship with. You have the ability to decide which church you go to. You actually don't have to go here. (laughs) I mean, we want you to. We enjoy you being here. But we want you to know if you feel like you can't be here, you're blessed to go do what makes sense to you. Why? Because you have permission by God to make choices for your life. So boundaries become so important. If we don't have boundaries with honor, we don't really have honor. And if we don't have honor with boundaries, we don't really have boundaries. Does that make sense? So I can say to people in my life who I don't necessarily enjoy spending time with, I can look at them and I can say in my heart, you know what, you are a child of God. You know what, I understand that even though you did something I would never do, you, you were wanting to be judged by your motivations in that moment, right? I can extend empathy. I can do these things and still feel like I'm my own person and I don't have to be intertwined with you. Does that make sense? One of the things that we're terrible at as Christians, maybe not you guys in the room, but as a, as a religion, we're pretty terrible at giving ourselves permission to feel something different than someone else. I talk about this a lot, actually, and this is a concept that saved me, uh, and it's, it's called the difference between being others-validated and self-validated. And a self-validated person is someone who doesn't need you to feel what they're feeling for their feelings to be true and real, okay? An others-validated person needs you to agree with the emotion so that it can be true to them, all right? All of y'all are in one or the other. So here's what happened to me. We were in a counseling session, and I'm, uh, we were given this like little booklet, and it had a story of uh, a husband and wife who were having a baby for the first time, and, and the husband didn't know anything about birth, and so the mother is holding the baby moments after the birth, and she looks at her husband, who is still completely stunned by what he just witnessed, and, uh, and she goes, is this not the most incredible moment of our life? And he goes, uh, yeah, because he's in shock. And if you've never seen a birth, don't go Google it. But it's, it's, it's a lot to take in for the first time. And, uh, and, and so in that moment, the woman looks at his husband who she thought they were sharing this experience together. She thought they were having this amazing encounter of bringing a life into the world. And now her thoughts begin to spiral. And she's thinking, maybe it wasn't what I thought it was because he didn't seem to share in that. And in this booklet, the, the counselor said to us, now pick who you are in the story and, uh, and don't talk about it till I come back in the room. So Grant's reading it. I'm 
I'm reading it, and I, I am reading it through the lens of trying to decide who was the better choice, you know? Which one is the one you're supposed to be, and I want to be that, and I, I kept thinking, I think I'm the others validated, I think I'm the woman in the story, but, but that also kind of feels like maybe that's wrong, so I'm trying, you know, it was very indicative of the fact that I was actually in the others validated category. And so what we began to learn and discover was that for me, it was really hard for me to feel something unless someone else was sharing in that emotion. And women do this a lot, and men can do this too, so it's not just a female thing. But for Grant, Grant needed no permission to be happy or sad. He just was. If I'm happy, you can be having a terrible day. You're not going to rain on my sunshine. Anybody know somebody like that? It's like it makes you want to try harder to rain on it. No? Um, and so, you know, so I, it was this interesting process of looking at my life and saying, is it even possible for me to become a self-validated person? And do I even want to be? That was the question I was asking myself. So I discovered that my need to be validated in my emotions was actually crippling my relationships. So I decided to try to change that. So I, I'll, you know, I can tell leather stories longer later about the whole process. But long story short, nine months later, I had a, a major revelatory moment of breakthrough. And I'd been doing all this stuff to try to, to stop feeling that need. And we had had a birthday party for Grant. We had gone to uh, Mama Rojas at uh, Lake Hefner. Mama, was it Rosa's or Rojas? Thank you. I'm Lake Hefner, and I had put a lot of planning into it, you know, just invited a few friends, just did all this stuff, and, and we're driving home, and I said, uh, you know, what do you think about your birthday? Did you have a good time? And you know, ladies, husbands, I should tell this to you. When your lady asks you a question like that, it is five questions in one. It is not just one question. It is a fully loaded question. Amen? I wanted to know, did the guest list work? Was the food good? Did you like the present? How was the air control? Was there anything else I could have done? All of that was wrapped into, did you have a good time? And, uh, of course, Grant, he's driving, and I'm sitting in the front seat, and he goes, yeah. And I'm like, okay. And we get about, I don't know, a mile down the road, and I go, oh my gosh, I just realized I did not care how you answered that question. <laughs> we had a friend in the car with us who's like, what is happening? And I said, obviously I cared that you said yes, right? I didn't want you to say no, but it just dawned on me. I had no downward spiral with your very lackluster answer to my heavily loaded question on your birthday. And I was like, we need to stop and have a dance party or something. It was proof to me that you can change. And, and the reason why I share this is because when we begin to understand that in ourselves, in Jesus, not, I'm not preaching in yourself without God, in yourself with Jesus, you have what it takes to be a sane person, okay? You have what it takes to be a self-validated person. And when we get that, we're able to extend honor because now I don't really need you to tell me if we're okay. It's very similar to parenting. You know, we can be in a disagreement with our kids, but I know we're okay. I know you might be mad at me, but we're okay. We're going to be okay. It's the same concept that we can extend to all the people around us, the other political party, the other neighbor that does the things you don't like. Whatever the case may be, we can step into honor. Are you guys tracking with me? All right, so let's look for a little bit about some of the ways that we can honor people. So there's three different ways you can extend honor. They're similar, but they're also nuanced. The first one is you can give honor according to someone's identity. This applies to everyone on the earth. So not everyone uh, knows they were created by God. 
Some might know and have chosen to disagree. Others are like pre-Christians and they don't know yet the beautiful love of God. They haven't tasted of it. And then there are those who are. And every single one of us was created by God on purpose. No one is here by accident. When I was a teenager and, uh, you know, had a boyfriend and my mom, her attempt at trying to keep me abstinent was to tell me weird things. And one of the things she would say is just randomly, we'd be at dinner and she'd be like, you know, there are no accidents, Rachel. There's only surprises. This is my mother. She's amazing. And I'd be like, I'm eating a burrito. Like what, you know, why, why are we talking about this right now? But this was the, a mantra of my home life to both my brother and I. It was like, you need to understand if you do this deed and you get pregnant, that's how it works. This, is, this was like the, the mantra of our life. You cannot say, oh, it was an accident. There's only surprises. So there's no one on the face of the earth that, has, that is here by accident. There is literally, you cannot convince me there's one person here that God did not know you were going to be conceived. It's not going to work. We could debate till kingdom come. You might think you're an accident. You might have been told you were a mistake. It doesn't matter what your parents think. God knew. In fact, ooh, I didn't, oh, I knew the Lord told me to screenshot this. Listen to this. This is what happens at conception. Teenagers, plug your ears. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. This is so beautiful. Hold on. I wasn't planning on sharing this, so I don't have it pulled up. i got to get to my screenshots. Uh, all right. This is some science for you. You guys know I love this. Did you know that embryologists, I didn't know that was a thing, but that's a career choice, people, if you're looking for a job. Did you know that embryologists have recently captured the moment of conception via fluorescence microscopy? What they discovered, this is so powerful, what they discovered is that the exact moment a sperm penetrates an egg, the egg releases billions of zinc atoms that emit light. Sparks fly, literally. The miracle of conception is a microcosm of mirrors that mirrors God's first four words. This is an excerpt out of a book. Isn't that incredible? So at the moment of your conception, light burst forth. You cannot tell me a single life on the earth was an accident. It's, it's just, it's, it's wrong. It's not true. So how do we, what do we do with that information? Now we know every person that you lay eyes on, that's God's intention for them. You might not like them, but God does. So here's how you exercise honor in those moments. You start thinking about everybody like Romans 10 as part of the family. We're all part of the family. When I'm struggling with a family member, what connects me to them is the fact that we're family, right? It's the only reason. My brother is my best friend. Uh, I love him so much. He's two years older than me. We have been best friends and mortal enemies, and it has gone like Russian roulette. There's no, sometimes you're just walking and you think you're best friends and it's like, bam, you know, in the face. And this one time I punched him in the butt and I broke my hand. It was horribly embarrassing. So, uh, you know, we've, we, we've had our ups and downs. And the thing that has kept us together is that he's my family. And the, the bond of family has pushed us to work through our differences to where now we can be grown adults living in the same neighborhood, best friends, probably forever because I think the worst is behind us now. That's what God is, is looking for, but the way we get that is by establishing the foundation that every person on the earth belongs to God, whether they know it or not, amen? So we're honoring according to identity. You may not know it, but you are a child of God. Therefore, I can honor the fact that God loves you. I might say to God, I don't love them, Lord. <laughs> I'm just being super transparent, right? You might have a moment with the Lord where you're going, I, I, I am honoring because you love them, Lord. And God's like, that's great, sweetie, because they're in the family. 
okay? Honor according to identity. Honor according to calling. This one is tough because calling and character are two legs that sometimes of the same body that sometimes feel a little bit like Blackbeard the pirate who has the, the wooden leg. You guys know what I'm talking about? They're not always at the same length walking in sync. It's a terrible joke, sorry. <laughs> but when you have a calling from God, it doesn't always mean that your character matches the amount of calling that you have. That's what I'm trying to say in a very weird roundabout way. And so when we give honor according to calling, we're not excusing character. We're recognizing that your character needs improvement. Does that make sense? So I can look at someone and, and I can say, okay, your character needs improvement, but you are called to be this. You're called to be an evangelist. So go out and be an evangelist. And also I will do my best to help you build better character. Right? I, I, I don't, does this make sense to you guys? When we're talking about like church leaders, okay, so here we are in Oklahoma with more church leaders than we can count. So not every church leader who is called by God has a great amount of character. It's an unfortunate situation. So how do we extend honor to other people who are pastors and ministry leaders in our city that we might feel like our, like our flesh might say, you shouldn't be a pastor because you have a character issue? Uh, is this too hot water for y'all? Okay, so how do we extend honor and say, I recognize you have a calling on your life and God is working on your character and you're just not there yet. So how can I honor you because of your calling? It's important. The third one is honor according to position. So this is similar, but a little bit different. This one would be more of like someone who is in a political position. So, uh, you know, whether you're pro-Trump or anti-Trump um, or indifferent, if, if you can find someone who's indifferent towards Trump, I would love to meet them because <laughs> I have yet to find someone. He's so divisive and it's like people love him or hate him. But we can look at it and we can say, we don't have permission to say you're not my president because you actually are my president. Does this make sense? So I can give you honor. Ooh, I can feel it. We're going to be all right. But we can give honor because of the position someone holds. So our mayor who extends a mask mandate and we're all annoyed with it and we're over it and we're tired of it, right? We can give honor because of the position that's held. Doesn't mean I'm agreeing with your character, your actions, even your hair color, whatever. But I'm honoring according to position. Tracking with me? When we live like this, you, if, you, if you will live like this, you will discover your influence begins to expand. Why? Because it's what I said earlier. When you refuse to honor, you cancel your ability to have influence. When you do honor, your influence expands. Here's where it gets tricky. If you are wanting to be an influencer in the city or on social media or whatever, you have to get comfortable with people who don't see eye to eye with you who aren't in the same boat. So we're pastors. Grant also runs a brokerage in town. It's like 200-something agents that are in our brokerage. I don't know that any of them come to our church, maybe one or two from time to time. And so our, our influence with these agents, a lot of them don't know Jesus. A lot of them knew Jesus and don't want to know Jesus. They're at all different places. But in the place of honoring, honoring according to their identity, honoring according to their position in the company, then we can actually continue to influence them even though we might not agree with the day-to-day -day actions. You guys tracking with me? This is why honor is so important because as we're bringing revival into our city, our state, as it overflows into the nation, we have to see it like God sees it. God is not micromanaging everybody's sin. 
he gets that it's a problem, but he also provided a solution for the problem, right? So he's not magnifying their sin and therefore withholding honor. And we want to be like that. We want to be like God, not like that. Um, honor opens up a person for having an encounter with God. This is what's so interesting to me. There are people in our life who, through honoring them and giving them the, the place to have their own life, especially in our company, it actually opens up encounters for God. I can't tell you how many times we've been, Grant's been on a phone call with somebody, and it's like there's an opportunity to bring Jesus into the conversation that didn't exist because before, and because of the honor and the respect that's there, they've been able to bring an encounter for God. It's incredible. I could tell you stories for an hour about it. Honor opens up a person for an encounter with God. So let me get just really specific. So we're going to... Um, Wrap this up with five practical things you can actually do to honor people. So if you're a note taker, write this down um, because you might forget and uh, then you wouldn't honor and that'll be bad. Just teasing you guys. This must be too heavy because you're not laughing at my jokes like normal. Uh, I commit to you I will not reimagine the peg leg one. That was bad. <laughs> Let's all agree to not talk about that one again. Okay, so how do we do this? Step number one. You have to get your heart aligned with God's heart. So we've been talking about this. This is the, con the concept that everybody belongs to God, right? So when you're walking into a meeting with somebody, a conversation with somebody that you have a hard time honoring, walk yourself through these steps. Number one, God, help me see them as you see them. I had a person in my life that was very, very difficult for me, and, and I... I couldn't even imagine how I could get to honoring this person. And what I began to do, instead of focusing on, on trying to forgive them, because I think I'd maxed out the 70 times 7 thing and it wasn't changing anything, I was like, God, I need a new plan. And so I began to say, would you show me how you see this person? Don't pray that unless you mean it, because then God will, and then it will change your reality. Remember, everybody is functioning in life off of what they perceive to be correct motivations. We're all doing that. So I began to ask about this person. How do, I, how do I see them like you see them? And God started showing me pictures and reminding me of situations this person had been through that had caused pain in their life, which was bleeding out onto me in really unfair ways. Then I used that as a weapon in the spirit, right? Because our battle is not against flesh and blood. And so I used that to guard my heart when the pain began to come towards me. I would use that as permission to say, all right, God, you see them. Help me see them like you do. So step number one, get your heart aligned. Step number two, remember motivations matter to people. I know we're harping on this a lot, but it's so true. I was having a conversation with a pro-choice person. I'm a very pro-life person. Obviously, if conception is bursting forth light into the earth, that's, you know, to me, that's all I need to know that God created this life. So I'm a pro-life person. But I also believe in your freedom to choose you choose which side you stand on, right? And so I was having a conversation with a pro-choice person um, a couple years ago. And my heart has always been, when it comes to politics, to try to understand why someone gets to the place that they got to. Because I have very valid reasons of why I got to where I got to, right? So I want to extend that to them. And this person said to me, I actually am pro-life and I would never encourage someone to get an abortion. But I lived, I was a, you know, a teenager in the 60s and I remember people going, uh, when it was illegal, going to get illegal abortions and having all this trouble in their life because they went to like a backroom doctor to get an abortion. And she was saying, the reason why I'm pro-choice is because that was fueling her whole decision. See, not everybody thinks like we think they do. 
right? And so when we take the time to get to know their motivations, you'll be surprised why people are anti-Trump or why they're pro-Trump or pick the issue. <laughs> why they're pro-mask, anti-mask, we could just tell them all and then you're, they're all stressed out because I brought up all the bad stuff of 2020. <laughs> So, so remember that motivations matter to people. If you really, if you've got a family member or an employee, like a, a, co a worker, coworker, um, that you're really struggling with honoring, I would encourage you, invite them into a conversation where you're the one asking questions to understand their motivation. Not trying to change their mind, but really just listening to understand. It will help you have empathy. All right, number three. Conflict is ineffective in changing people. Oh, I know some of you guys don't agree. Conflict is ineffective in changing people. Let's look at Colossians chapter 4, okay? This is Colossians 4, verse 5 and 6. It says, Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. There's a biblical principle here where we're paying attention to the words that we say. I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. When, some, when you're in conflict with someone, it's like a Star Trek shields up red alert moment. Any Star Trek fans? You don't have to. You don't have to raise your hand. Thank you. I see that hand. One. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a situation when you're in conflict where you are feeling defensive, and so the posture of your heart is not a posture to learn. So just think about yourself for a moment. The last time somebody came to you guns blazing, why do you do this? <laughs> and now all of a sudden, you don't really need to know what their motivations are. You just want to be out of the conversation for most of us. A few of us are like, oh, here's why. You know? But even in those moments, when the walls are up, you're not getting to the part of the heart that brings change. So if you actually want to bring change, honor, and do it from a way of understanding conflict is not going to work yelling conflict. There's healthy conflict will. You guys know what I'm saying. All right, two more. Uh, number four. Oh, Lord, bless these words as they come out of my mouth. Number four, exercise empathy. So uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Gallup Strengths Finder personality test, but it's, it helps you identify. There's 34 strengths all humans share. I'm putting it in quotes because it's not a biblical thing, but it is helpful. And it gives you your top five. So one of my top five is empathy. And what that means is that uh, you, you can imagine what it's like to live as that person. It's, it's an unfortunate one. If you've got that in your top five, then you would say it's unfortunate. Because I, I yeah, I like, yeah, anyways, okay, on track. So there are people who have very low empathy. I know some of them quite well. And uh, I was having a conversation with one of them, and this is literally how the conversation went. I said, I think if you're going to have a breakthrough with this person in your life, we were talking about a situation they were in. I said, you're going to have to empathize with them. Empathy and sympathy are not the same. Sympathy basically says, I recognize you are dealing with something. Empathy says, I can, I can imagine what it would be like to be in that situation. Some nuance there, right? And so this person said to me, they know the Gallup too, and they said, um, well, empathy is like my number 33, which is at the bottom of the list. There's only a 34. And they said, so it's, I, I, it's not going to happen. I'm, I, I have no empathy. And I looked at them, and I would say the same thing to you. I said, listen to me. You have Christ Jesus living inside of you. And if you have to conjure up his empathy and pretend it's yours, then do that. Because you can't walk around as a believer saying you have no empathy. You can't do it. I've had this conversation, actually, with now that I'm thinking about it, like five or six people over 2020. So, okay. But this is the thing. We have to recognize 
that we have access to empathy, even if it's not in a natural spot. So when you're honoring someone and you're going, you are an idiot. Anybody else ever feel that way? You don't have to raise your hand, but thank you, one. One bold enough. Probably had it all the way up before I said you didn't have to. Sorry about that. Um, but when, you, when you're in a conflict with someone and you're just so frustrated at them, you're watching the news and you're just like, gah, exercise empathy in that moment. This is what Jesus did. This is how Jesus did his ministry. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be him walking through people who were constantly plotting to kill you? This was the three years of Jesus's ministry. Everywhere he goes, somebody's like, I have a plan. Meet me in the dark alley and we'll try to, you know, everywhere he goes, people are trying to kill him. And he walks with compassion. How? Because of the empathy he had to honor them according to their identity, their purpose, and their calling. Uh, Matthew 7, okay, this is in the Bible, so I didn't write it down. Uh, Matthew 7, chapter 2. For the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use it, it will be measured to you. A lot of us want to pretend this isn't in the Bible. Here's the follow-up to that a few verses later. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. What is Jesus saying? These are Jesus' words. That what, there's a, a principle in the kingdom. It is, you guys familiar with like the law of gravity? I think everybody knows that one, right? What goes up comes down, okay? Uh, so in the same way that the law of gravity is an unchangeable law, it's happening, no one started it but God, no one can end it but God, so is the spiritual law that what you reap, you will sow. This is what Galatians says. And that applies to the judgments we give to people, to the way we treat other people. The tricky thing in the kingdom is that it's not always the person we judge judging us back. The New Age movement, they adopted this and called it karma. It's not, they didn't create this. God created this. God created this system. That's why people who are new age believe in karma, because it actually is true how God created it. What we put out is coming back to us. Jesus is not going to be mocked. This is what Galatians says. The way you judge other people is how you're going to be judged. Okay, so here's what happens. We're on social media. It's midnight. Ain't nobody seeing what my fingers are doing, and I'm trolling. whatever the topic may be. We could literally spin a Rolodex of like 100 and they would all feel applicable to this, right? And so we're trolling and we're putting out all this judgment. How could they do that? Are you kidding me? And then a week goes by, maybe a month, and then all of a sudden someone else is judging you and you're going, oh, I did nothing. I did nothing to deserve that. But this is how the cycle works, okay? Our life was dramatically benefited when we decided to cut the cycle of judgments, how do you cut them? You stop making them. So we actually hear people, I was in a conversation with somebody recently and they said, they were talking to me about how, how much they feel like everybody is, is threatened by them and judging them and, and it's like, it was just overwhelming. And all I could think was, you must be judging so many people all the time. I didn't say that, but I was thinking it. But that's the way it works, right? We're, we're walking around judging everybody. How dare you? How could you? Wow, you must be. Da, da, da. And then we're surprised when it comes back to us. The way we break this cycle is through repentance. It's through changing our actions. Repentance doesn't just mean remorse that you did it. It actually means you do something different. You make a change. And then we begin to bless people instead. 
This is, if you can see, there's a big theme through this whole message today. It's that we're coming out of the natural way of interacting with people that we don't enjoy, and we're coming into the kingdom way. And in the kingdom way, we extend honor through all of these different things. So I want to say to you, too, as we, as we land this plane, I want to say to you that if you're someone who feels consistently judged by other people, take, take a good hard look at your heart with the Holy Spirit. And just ask the Lord, have I been in a pattern of, of giving out judgments that I haven't even been aware of? It's pretty easy to do, especially in 2020, right? And so what we can do is we can come to the Lord and say, I repent. Please help me do that differently and help me break that cycle. I, I am telling you, just as a testimony right now, that I used to be a really great judger. I still have moments where I feel like I'm pretty good at it. But um, I used to be really, I did it all the time internally, occasionally, you know, you have that safe friend that all you do is just judge other people behind their back, but you're just sharing about life, you know, and it's not really sharing about life, but you know what I mean? And when I began to change this and put a stop to it, I actually noticed freedom in my heart I didn't know was there. And I think this is why Jesus is telling us this. It's not to tell you that you're wrong or you're shamed if you're judging people. That's not the point. The point is there's a freedom for you that you might not have stepped into yet. Amen? So last but certainly not least, Ephesians 6, chapter, chapter 6, 10 through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you can be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places." Every person you are conflicting with, you are not just conflicting with them. There is no real battle with flesh and blood. It feels like it, but there's not. So just remember, hold that into your mind. This is a spiritual thing going on. And if nothing else, it's a spiritual thing trying to rob your joy, trying to rob your peace, trying to rob your influence. Amen? All right, so I'm going to pray for all of us, and uh, I really, let's just take a second just to listen to the Holy Spirit. I kind of feel like there's some of us that might need to just do a little bit of work with God, uh, whether it's repenting or just asking the Holy Spirit to help. Um, but yeah, let's just take a second. So if, you, if you're resonating with this and you want to stand up and get like in a posture of receiving, you can do that. You can put your hands out where you are. You can just close your eyes. But Holy Spirit, we just invite you to begin to, to search our hearts right now. And Lord, we ask that you tell us what we need to know about honor. Where do we need to, um, to grow in honor? Where do we need to, to change in the context of honor? Just remember, if you're not familiar with, with hearing God's voice, just remember that it sounds a lot like your own thoughts. So you probably have a thought go through your mind that's going to be the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. So Lord, we want to be radical kingdom influencers. We want to be bold revival carriers. We want to be people who recognize that every person, even those who are the farthest from you, that you are desiring to know them, for them to know you. And so Lord, I pray that you would teach us how to honor well. You would bless our efforts to honor so our sphere of influence can grow. You would help us to, to deal with the internal areas of our heart that hold us back from extending honor to people around us. Lord, we just invite a move of your Holy Spirit in. 
change us, grow us, whatever, whatever you think needs to happen.